Hey there, believers. Let's get through this commercial break first so we can enjoy a full show. Do you want to be prepared for anything that could happen in day-to-day life or when disaster strikes? From the office to the outdoors, then please go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com and check out the packs that they have to offer. They're made in America, and I mean every single piece of fabric, hardware, buckle, and frame. All the labor, too, is right here in America. So when you buy from Squatch Survival Gear, you're supporting multiple small businesses right here at home. I've become good friends with Chris. Um, He's a military vet. So all of these packs are made to mill spec. All right, so they're all military standard packs. They're good for everything. These things are virtually bomb proof. I promise you, I own two of them. I have the Rock Ape and the Mothman pack. They cannot be beaten. I've I've had gear all my life. I had gear in the military. I have gear when I go hunting. I have gear for camping. The Squatch Survival gear changes the game. All right, I, I take one to work every day. I take the Mothman pack with me to work. Just use it as a regular backpack, but it's so functional. It's it's just unbelievable quality. All right, so please go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com. Now, to save 15% site-wide, I encourage you to use promo code 23BUMP. That's 23BUMP to save 15% site-wide. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. So now that we have this knowledge, we have to remember to walk in 2 Timothy 1.7, which says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, When he turned his back from shoulder to shoulder, it looked like as wide as the tailgate of a truck. This thing let out the most blood-curdling, mind-blowing, spine-tingling scream that you've ever heard in your life, and it cut through me like a knife. And I knew that they were going to take me. I just knew it. And then the next thing I can remember is being levitated. Well, when I look in there, uh, I see two big eyes staring back at me. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Bump Podcast, a place for the believers of the unexplained, monsters, and paranormal. 
join us and we'll go face to face with what goes bump in the night. Believers, got a great show for you this week. I am bringing on Justin Brown. He, uh, the name might be a little familiar to some of you. He is the host of a couple of podcasts, The Dig Bible Podcast and Prometheus Lens. And we've tried to schedule this a few times, and it's probably been my fault that it hasn't worked out. But here we are, and we're going to make it work today. Um, Sorry if the lighting is horrible, if you're watching this on YouTube, um, and the camera angle is not the best either, but I'll, I'll try to get that fixed next time. Um, I had to rearrange some stuff, and I just kind of tossed it up there. So when we come back with Justin, it might be a different angle. All right. Um, yeah, we're going to get into some, some good stuff. Good stuff. I'll let him lead the way. I'm just here to listen and uh and and share so looking forward to this one if you guys need more content um at least early release content i, I don't put out a whole lot of um full-length interviews you know exclusively on patreon but i do release as many as i possibly can early to patreon so if you'd like to get your content early, if, uh, you know, you like the other perks of Patreon that, you know, they they send out swag and some merch every few months, you know, for being a member. Um, if you just want to support the podcast, you know, that's great. I appreciate it. I, I love each and every one of you. Um, you can find this show on Patreon. And please don't forget, I get, you know, Thank, thank God, there's thousands of downloads come out every week. But uh, we need more reviews. So five-star ratings and reviews, hit me with them. Let's get this show up in the charts a little bit more, okay? Um, let's ex let's get more exposure. I, I feel like we have the content. Um, we have a great batch of, of listeners, faithful listeners. But let's let's grow this family. Let's get the word out. Let's let's spread spread the good news. All right. I'm gonna go ahead and get Justin on here and uh get the show rolling. Go. All right, you got it? Yeah. Well, Bo, I thank you ha for having me, man. I really appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. I know we've had some uh private conversations on uh, esau so i'm i'm real excited to to dig into this with you today but uh as, as you mentioned you know esau he's a guy in the bible that that really stands out but he he doesn't get a, a whole lot of attention so today that's kind of my intention here is just to shed some light on him uh make some connections and uh just see where where the the scripture and uh the extra biblical text lead us i think this is a pretty good little journey that I, I found myself on and i wanted to share this with you guys but when you go to genesis 25 and verse 22 it says that the children struggled together within her so she inquired of the lord in verse 23 
And the Lord said, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you shall be divided and that one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger, which when you look in the, the lexicon, the definition of stronger in Hebrew is yamas, which means stout. Hmm. And uh, I want you guys to keep that in the back of your mind because it's going to come back into play here later. But uh, now if you think back to Genesis 3 and the curse with the serpent, right? You know, what did right. it say? It says, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put immunity between you and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring, he will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So it plainly says that there will be amenity between the two and that they both will have offspring. Right. You know, I'm sure I'm a, not a one and the other kind of guy. I believe a lot of times it's this and this. A lot of people just want to look at the spiritual side of it and say, oh, well, it's spiritual seed. Well, why can't it be both? Right, right. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, man. So, uh, but hopefully uh, with, with scripture now, you know, this ain't just my opinion. So I'm going to give you my interpretations of stuff and show you that I, I think I can make a pretty strong case for that. But when you go to verse 20, it says, the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them, which I'm sure the believer nation is familiar with the Nakash mm -hmm. and the serpent, you know, yeah, it can mean serpent, but it can also mean the divine one or the shining one or one who practices divination so when you, when you look at that, you know, like Michael Heiser said, context is, is key. Yes. You know, what makes more sense to you, uh, a talking snake or a talking divine being on the holy mountain of God that Eve obviously conversated with and trusted. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, I was a, a C plus average guy, but I mean, that, that's what makes sense to me. <laughs> But uh, what does God say in verse 15? Once again, he says he will put amenity between the Nakash and the woman between his seed and her seed. And certainly, if this is the case, one seed would be stronger than the other. Right, right. Okay. So now verse 20, God made for them garments of skins and clothed them. In Hebrew, this says God clothes, which is the word uh, hilbish, uh, Adam's nakedness with a tunic, which is the Hebrew word kanonit, uh, a phrase that is most frequently used in the Torah to describe clothing of the priests in the tabernacle. And okay. An example of this is Exodus chapter 29, verse 8, and chapter 28, verse 39 through 40 which significantly is used to cover their nakedness. And that's what it says explicitly in Exodus 28, verse 40 through 43. So 
I think what it's trying to point out here is that Adam is the, you know, prototypical high priest over all yeah. creation, you know, and all subsequent divinity is divinely ordained through the priests and they trace their origins back to Adam in the garden. So, you know, Aaron's annual task of passing beyond the images of the cherubim to place to the place where God walks with his people. And this is referenced in Leviticus chapter 16 and verse two. You know, this serves as a reminder of Adam's once privileged position in Eden before the fall. So, you know, when they made the temple, they would pass through the veil. Well, on the veil was depicted the cherubim and all the things in heaven, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. It was, they were mimicking the, the role of Adam. Mm. So, uh, but the connection between Adam's original priesthood and the Aaronaic high priest is most notably highlighted in the prophet Ezekiel. So uh, this is a, a passage that's most commonly uh, attributed to, to Satan. So when you go to Ezekiel, it's chapter 28. Uh, now, it's originally addressed to the king of Tyre. But when you read this all the way through, you see a significant change. He goes from talking to a man, mm -hmm. but then he goes to talk to the spirit yeah. that's behind this man. So uh, instead of reading the whole thing, I just wanted to highlight this one section here. But when you go to verse uh, 13, and it's, I believe it's 13 through 15. Now, when you listen to this, tell me if this sounds like any man that you know. It says that you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Right. Sardis, topaz, diamond, barrel, onyx, jasper, sapphire, emerald, carbuncle, and crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God in the midst of the stones of fire. You walked and you were blameless in your ways from the day that you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. This doesn't sound like any man that I've ever met. What about you, Bo? No, no, not at all. Now we might have some that claim they are, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is God talking here. Okay. That's right. But when you skip on down, one thing that really stood out to me too was, was 18 when he's, you know, laying out all these things about this, you know, uh, entity here. He says, by the multitude of your iniquities in your unrighteousness of your trade, you profaned your sanctuaries. Hmm. So it's talking about this per perfect being uh, how he's uh, anointed with all these stones and gold inlets and all these things. It sounds like the ephod, doesn't it? It does. It sounds like the ephod. And then it specifically mentions a sanctuary here, that this entity profaned their sanctuaries on earth as it is in heaven, right? We got to keep that in mind here. So the Nakash, the AKA the shining one, described in those verses that I just read 
all those stones would certainly be shining, wouldn't they? they and would. colorful with all these stones and, and gold. So stripped of his position and Adam promoted and takes his robes of Ezekiel 28. I believe that is the coverings that was given to Adam and Eve. Nice. That the Nakash was the, the high priest and where he was demoted, his coverings was taken from him and given to humanity. And that was mm -hmm. our, our seat being given at the divine council. Yes. So when you go down, it says, uh, uh, that these coverings, you know, sound like the ones, like I said earlier of the priests at the tabernacle given from God. Exodus 39 is where you get that described. You know, it's also a foreshadowing of when God calls Israel to, to be a nation of priests, Exodus 19 and six. The only difference in the Nakash's coverings given to Adam and Eve was that they were given an upgrade when God had them uh, recreate them in Exodus. Because if you go back to Ezekiel 28, there's only nine stones mentioned. Now we get 12. Well, so not only is the Nakash stripped of his position, loses his priestly robes, and given to a, a lower class being, we get three more stones. All right. So not only are you downgraded and we're given what you had, we're given an upgrade from what you had to begin with. Yeah. So, you know, if these garments were indeed the, you know, skins of the Nakash, now the symbol of his shame and the sign of his original seal from heaven, wouldn't that indeed make the devil hate you? Yeah. Man, that's you good. heard that? I, I had never heard that one. I, I love this. Well, I mean, what do you think? I mean, does this just sound just too out there? Or? No, no, it don't. It don't sound too out there at all. Because like you said, why not and instead of either or, you know, why not there be a physical and spiritual connection here? Um, you know, I, I had heard that the the clothing, the covering was from you know who knows what animal and that was the first sacrifice you know yeah. but this makes a lot of sense man yeah it, it makes a whole lot of sense it does to me yeah and i know what some people are probably thinking being like i thought we was talking about esau <laughs> how, <laughs> how we wind up here we're getting there that's right okay now the birth of esau now that starts in Genesis 25, 25. It says, the first came out red all over his body and like a hairy cloak. So mm -hmm. they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. So here... We already have the Nakash trying to flip the script, in, in my opinion. You know, we know that the chosen seed is Jacob. Right. Well, in my opinion, 
we have the Nakash flip them around in the womb, pushing Esau to the front. That way his heel would be crushing Jacob's head in the womb and that mm. Jacob would be bruising the heel by holding it. Now that's no. just conjecture. Right. But I just kind of seen that correlation there. That's and good. I, I hadn't seen that before. And I'll just say, say that outright. That's interpretation. Right. But people miss how similar the birth of Esau and Zariah is. In Genesis uh, chapter 23, verse 27 through 30, Zariah also had a twin. And his hand came out first. And the midwife tied a scarlet red ribbon around his hand, but he drew it back in. Drew it back in. Yeah. Then out came Perez. Later, Zariah came out with the ribbon still attached. So the lexicon, when you look up Zariah, means dawning slash shining. So Esau and Zariah were both the firstborn of twins uh -huh. and both had associations with the color red. Yeah. And Esau's name, remember, means strong or stout. And then Zariah's name means dawning and shining. Yeah. Now, this is not a place that I would uh, assemble my cross on this hill and die on. Right. But it's like, this guy sounds like a, like a Bigfoot to me. Yep. Yeah. He's red and he's covered in hair like a cloak yep. when he's born when he's born you, yeah and if you remember the angel of the lord came and says two peoples two nations fight in your womb one will be stronger than the other and you tie that back into genesis 3 right and even jacob when he went to uh fool his father and you remember it said that he uh took a lamb's skin and put it over his arm so his father could feel of his arm and be fooled and think it was Esau. So we're not talking about, you know, this was hyperbole. He was just kind right. of hairy. No, right. they literally put a lambskin over him. That way his blind father would think that it was Esau. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing that that piece right there. I brought that up to my in-laws. I brought that up to my pastor. We're all sitting on the porch and you know, they're, they're all giggle giggle until I was like, how hairy is a goat, you know, or, or a lambskin? I said, and it, he was that hairy that it would fool his father. And he smelled the same. Like he even smelled mm -hmm. it. So he smelled that wild. I was like, come on guys there. Cause I I'm on that. Or I, that in the physical world that had to be, you know, for me, I, I that's what got me so excited. Cause I've seen this Esau Bigfoot thing. And it's just like, it glares out mm -hmm. and I'm not trying to make light of the Bible in any way. I believe there's something there, man. Yeah. Um, what Bigfoot is today. Uh, I got, I got some ideas. Um, but the, for origin stories, first ever big hairy wild man of the woods, this is it. I, I'm loving where this is going. So don't let me interrupt you, man, but, Oh yeah, I know. But 
and that's the thing is that's what it stood out to me but then when i started going down this trail and trying to find what i could about him this thing just kept developing and and i love how you said you know that this would be the the epic of esau because i mean that's what it is it really is like yeah. what you were telling me the outline you gave me i thought oh my gosh i, I want everybody to hear this man yeah it's mind-blowing it was to me it is. but uh and you still you still stay in the Genesis chapter 25, but in verse 29 uh, through 34, it says, Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, Let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. 31, Jacob said, Sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. You know, this was a bit vague and confusing to me the first time I read it. Yeah, yeah, it never made sense. It's like, you're the firstborn child. The The keys of the kingdom are yours next. You're the next in line. And, you you know, you're. it's said that he's a mighty man of the field, and it's portrayed here and, and by pastors and stuff growing up that he just came in from a hunt and was really hungry and, and traded the keys to the kingdom for some crappy stew. Right. Yeah. Like he just didn't care about, about the, the birthright. Like it, yeah. it, it meant nothing to him. He's just defiant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like, that just didn't add up to me. And there has to be more to this story. Right. Cause he even says that I'm about to die. What use is a birthright to me dead? Right. So it's like, man, this is so vague. And you know, there's more to the story because it said he about, he was about to die. He, this was a desperation decision. And even Jacob, you see it, you know, in his dialogue, he, he says, you know, swear to me now, not once, but twice, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like this was a dire decision, hurry up, make your decision now kind of thing, you know, like an opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Oh Yeah. Yeah. So now when you go into the book of Jasher, the book of Jasher retells this same event, but gives you a whole lot more context. And it's just, it's just amazing. And maybe where this book existed or in the very least, the oral traditions of this story were well known amongst the people. And right. that's maybe why they didn't bother putting so much details into this story. I mean, that's just a postulation. Right. But, well, you know, you, you bring up a good point. And for the people that may not know, which I imagine most people do, the book of Jasher, that's part of the Apocrypha, right? That's part of these books that coincide. They go along with the Bible, but they're not canon. They're not books in the Bible. But the people of that day would be very familiar with these books. Um, that's why a lot of people 
you know, if once you once you start digging into your Bible and you're getting into the word, it helps so much to know, you know, the geography of the area, to know what they were studying, what the beliefs were of like the second temple period. And, you know, like like you mentioned Heiser before we started recording. I, w- I wouldn't have been turned on to this stuff five or six years ago if it wasn't for Heiser, you know. Um, he just turned that light on. Mm-hmm. But we we need to we need to grasp the reality that these are not fairy tales. These are not just stories and uh, warnings and parables. You know, moral stories. These are actual stories, actual people, actual events with histories, with timelines. Uh, it crosses cultures. This is all real, and. Uh, these extra books, these these other books that they studied, they knew that recorded the same thing. They're very important. And I, I know you're about to explain in this instance how it is very important. This book of Jasher it is. It, it is it's a it's phenomenal. I'm I'm sorry, go on. Oh no, I'm it sorry. is. And 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 like Michael Heiser said too, he said for those that want to you know, dispute with you and say, we shouldn't be looking at that. That's not canon. Well, one, you should realize if you don't already that the canon was put together by a group of men in 325 AD. Mm -hmm. And if they didn't like it or they didn't think it flowed well with the overall story, if it had anything quote unquote weird or fringe in it, or even as simple as they wasn't sure who wrote it. They, they left it out. Right. And like Dr. Michael Heiser said, something doesn't have to be quote unquote divine inspired to be important for cultural contexts and, uh, things like that. And especially like when you get into the book of Enoch, you know, you have Jesus, you have Peter, you have Jude, just countless apostles, yes, directly <laughs> referencing Bible. this book. Yeah, yeah. So how Jude? You how, they read it, believed it, and had it. Yeah. How how Jude's little page stayed in the Bible. You know. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm much more credit to that lend to Enoch. You know. Yeah, that was a breadcrumb it <laughs> left was. behind. That's it. But, uh, yeah, when you get into Jasher, though, uh, chapter 26 and verse 17, it gives you a little bit of e- uh, insight on Esau. And because you really don't get much on him, you know, in Genesis. You get blurbs here and there. But it says there, it says, Esau was a designing and deceitful man, an expert hunter of the field that Jacob was a man perfect and wise, dwelling in tents, feeding flocks, learning instructions of the Lord and the commandments of his father and mother. So once again, you have that, not this or that, but this and that. You have spiritual wickedness and spiritual bad seed and literal bad seed right but when you go to the next chapter uh jasher 27 verse 1 
this gives you more insight to the story of the soup. It says, and Esau at that time, after the death of Abraham, frequently went into the field to hunt. And Nimrod, king of Babel, the same was Amphriel, also frequently went with his mighty men, there's that word Gabor, to hunt in the field and to walk with his men in the cool of the day. And Nimrod was observing Esau all the days. Mm. So he's in the field and he's hunting and he's observing this hairy man right. named Esau. Could he be hunting this man or oh, this yeah. thing? Okay. And it says, for a jealousy was formed in the heart of Nimrod against Esau all the days. And on a, on a certain day, Esau went into the field to hunt, and he found Nimrod walking in the wilderness with his two men. And all his mighty men and his people were with him in the wilderness, but they removed at a distance from him, and they went from him in different directions to hunt. And Esau concealed himself from Nimrod, and he lurked in the wilderness. And Nimrod and his men that were with him did not know him. And Nimrod and his men frequently walked about in the field in the cool of the day and to know where his men were hunting in the field. And Nimrod and his two men that were with him came to the place where they were when Esau started suddenly from his lurking place and drew his sword and hastened and ran to Nimrod and cut off his head. Mm. And Esau fought a desperate fight with the two men that were with Nimrod. And when they called out to him, Esau turned to them and smote them to death with his sword. And all the mighty men of Nimrod who had left him to go into the wilderness heard the cry at a distance. And they knew the voices of those two men and they ran to know what was the cause of it. When they found their king and the two men that were with him lying dead in the wilderness, and Esau saw the mighty men of Nimrod coming at a distance and fled and thereby escaped. And Esau took the valuable garments of Nimrod, which Nimrod's father had bequeathed to Nimrod and which Nimrod prevailed over the whole land. And he ran and concealed them in his house. And Esau took those garments and ran into the city on the account of Nimrod's men. And he came into his father's house, wearied and exhausted from the fight. And he was ready to die. Though grief, when he approached his brother, Jacob, and sat before him. And he said unto his brother, Jacob, behold, I shall die this day. And wherefore then do I want the birthright? And Jacob acted wisely with Esau in this matter. And Esau sold his birthright to Jacob, for it was uh, so bought about by the Lord. And Esau's portion in the cave of the field from uh, Malpah, which Abram had bought from the children of Heth for possession of a burial ground. Esau also sold to Jacob and Jacob bought all of this from his brother Esau for value given. 
And Jacob wrote the whole of this in, in a book. And he testified the same with witnesses. And he sealed it. And the book remained in the hands of Jacob. And when Nimrod, the son of Cush, died, his men lifted him up and brought him in uh, consternation and buried him in the city. And all the days that Nimrod lived were 215 years, and he died. And the days that Nimrod reigned upon the people of the land for 185 years, and Nimrod died by the sword of Esau in the same and contempt, and the seed of Abram caused his death as he had seen in his dream. And at the death of Nimrod, his kingdom became divided into many nations. And all those parts that Nimrod reigned over were restored to the respective kings of the land who recovered them after the death of Nimrod. And all the people of the house of Nimrod were for a long time enslaved to all the other kings of the land. Mm -mm -mm. So I know that was a mouthful. That was good. <laughs> but good. There's a lot there. So it's like he has an epic battle with not one, not two, but three Gibberim. Right. And this Mighty warriors. Yeah. And this uh hairy quote unquote man was strong enough to kill all three of these men. And it says that, you know, when this was going on, all the other men come running. And he uh, has time to gather himself and goes and steals the garments from Nimrod. Mm -hmm. And if you go back, it plainly says that uh, these were the garments that caused Nimrod to rule over all the nations. Right. Right. It, it plainly gives credit to his superiority to these garments. Yes. So they, these were important garments. Yes. And there's something else that I, I thought of while you were saying this. It was, I'm just waiting. Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> this go is ahead. So fun, man. Yeah, this go is ahead. so good. Hit me with it. All right. Now, I, I don't want to give anything away. You're about to say what, what happens with these garments, right? Yeah. All right. Just uh, gee whiz information. I can't remember where I heard it, but it was recently. And it might have been Vicky. I don't, I'm not sure. But somebody told me that in these early days, a king's robe, the train was lengthened every time he won victory over another nation because they would cut off the king's, the, the losing king, you know. They would cut off the train of his robe. And they would attach it to the garment, to the, the the victory, you know, the victorious king. So you would have these super long trains, you know, when a king was victorious, you know, over all these nations. And the colors, there would be different colors on it, you know, different patterns mm -hmm. because he's going through these different nations. And that's yeah. why when, uh, who wasn't went into the throne room and God's train filled the room, the train of his robe filled the entire room. Yeah. You know, there's no beating him. You know, and it was just like, that was symbolic, you know, symbolic as to, you know, how, how wide his rule is. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. I'd never heard that. That is wild. 
Yeah, man. And yeah, you couldn't have much uh, better bragging rights than that. You know what I mean? It's right. like conquering a nation and taking their flag. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The original yeah. capture the flag. <laughs> but see, that explains so much more about what happened with Esau, quote unquote, from Genesis that just said he came from the field. Right. Yeah, he did come from the field, but man, there was so much more to that story. Yeah. Why was he so tired? <laughs> Yeah, why was he on knocking on death's door? Why was right. he so willing to to trade his birthright? Right. Now, now you know. <laughs> but uh, when you go to Jasher 7 and verse 23, and we'll back up a little bit for some context here, and we're going to talk about these garments, because you have to ask yourself, what was so special about these garments? Mm-hmm. Well, Jasher 7 and 23 talks about the lineages. It says, And Cush, the son of Ham, the son of Noah, took a wife in those days and in his old age, and she bare a son, and they called his name Nimrod, saying, At the time, the sons of men began to rebel and transgress against God. And the child grew up, and his father loved him exceedingly for he was the son of his old age. Verse 24, And the garments of skin, which God made for Adam and his wife, when they went out of the garden, were given to Cush. Mm. For after the death of Adam and his wife, the garments were given to Enoch, the son of Jared. And when Enoch was taken up to God, he gave them to Methuselah, his son. And at the death of Methuselah, Noah took them and brought them into the ark. And they were with him until he went out of the ark. And in their going out, Ham stole those garments from Noah, his father. Ham, who also... Uh uncovered the nakedness of his oh body. i'm getting there too i'm gonna touch oh that, okay i'm know. sorry i'm sorry oh yeah <laughs> and he took them and hid them from his brothers oh. and when ham begot his firstborn cush he gave him the garments in secret and they were with cush many days and cush also concealed them from his sons and brothers and when cush had begotten nimrod he gave him those garments through his love for him and Nimrod grew up, and when he was 20 years old, he put on those garments. In verse 30, and Nimrod became strong when he put on the garments. And God gave him might and strength, and he was a mighty hunter in the earth. Yea, he was a mighty hunter in the field, and he hunted the animals and he built altars, and he offered upon them animals before the Lord. And Nimrod strengthened himself, and he rose up from amongst his brethren, and he fought the battles of his brethren against all their enemies round about. <laughs> you know, so these garments were the ones from the garden, yes. you know, which we discussed earlier and proposed, you know, that they were the coverings of the Nakash, which were the priestly garments. You know, was this how Nimrod became a Gabor? Right. In Genesis, it says that he became a Gibberim. And it says there, at 20 years old, when he put on the garments, he became strong. Right. 
So this, like you said, you know, these extra books here, these quote unquote extra books ties in all these loose ends and fills in all these gaps. Wow. And it's just crazy. So Esau traded the birthright, AKA the garments, because he was on death's door from an epic battle with three giants. Yeah. J Jacob saw that the garments being a well-studied man of the Lord knew what they were. So he agreed to treat Esau's wounds and nurse him back to hell for these garments. But where else do we see these garments in the canon? Well, you had mentioned the Noah's nakedness. Yes. Now this is opinion, but I think we see them in that story because it says in Genesis chapter nine, verse 20, Noah began to be a man of the soil and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent and Ham, the father of Canaan saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it on both of their shoulders and walked backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. Yes. Their faces were turned backwards and they did not see their father's nakedness. And when Noah woke up from his wine and knew that his youngest son or knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, cursed be Canaan. Canaan. Yeah. A servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. Yes. So let's break that down. It says, you know, to me, it was like, man, that, that's a pretty harsh punishment for your mm -hmm. dad getting drunk and passing out naked and you just happen to accidentally see him. Right. And then it's like, well, hold up, man. He didn't even curse Ham. He cursed Canaan. Canaan. Right. Canaan was Ham's son who hadn't even been born yet. Yeah. And then to say that Canaan would be a servant to his brothers and Minches, Shem and Japheth. Mm -hmm. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What am I missing here? Right. Well, to uncover thy father's nakedness, it means to sleep with the father's wife. His mom. And if you, and if you don't believe me, look at Leviticus chapter 20, verse 17 and uh, chapter 18, verses six through eight. And this was an act of rebellion. This was to show dominance. If you look mm -hmm. at Absalom in the second Samuel chapter 16, verse 22 yep. was now the leader of the house. And he took over David's kingdom and his first act of business is he pitched a roof, a uh, tent on the roof and went into all his father's concubines. Yeah. This is what happened with Noah and his son, Ham. He uncovered his father's nakedness, AKA he slept with his mother. And yep. then he went outside and told his brothers about his rebellion and tried to get them to do the same. Yeah. But then the brothers took the garment and walked backwards and covered their father's nakedness. Well, you know, was this the garment from the garden? But the brothers, they refused to sleep with their mother. 
And when Noah woke up from his wine, you know, this could mean after he sobered up, it could have been several months or, or years, who knows, but right. I believe it had to be at least nine months later because he curses Canaan who is Ham's son, but he curses Canaan to serve Shem and Japheth and then calls them his brothers. So Canaan was the product but, of Ham sleeping with his mother. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what that is. He woke up and said, whoa, 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 that ain't mine. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, when you dig into this stuff, man, you start pit, putting these pieces together, there's some crazy stuff going on. And it's right <laughs> under your nose. I know it, man. I know it. I mean, I, you know, how long, I know you already probably knew about that. And some of the listeners have too, but it's like, it's kind of like 9-11 with me. It's like, where were you when the world stopped turning? Where were you when you found out that Ham was sleeping with his mother? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm like, whoa. That's, that's why I tell people, like, everything's bad. All these ites and all these bad guys throughout the Old Testament, they all come out of Ham. You know, yeah. e even Nimrod <laughs> comes out of Ham. It's just it's a it's a cursed lineage yeah the original wrong turn <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, that's where the cyclops came from <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh but i think seriously though like when he was kicked out of the camp for his rebellion i think that's when these garments were taken but if you followed the handing down of these garments, it's always to the kid of whom they loved or whom they had in their old age. You know, even in the book of Jasher, that scripture I just read to you, it said that, you know, they were given to Nimrod because of his love for him. And he was the son of his old age. Right. Well, I think the last time that we see these garments in scripture is with Joseph. Jacob got the garments back from Esau and kept them until they were given to Joseph. And it says specifically in Genesis that Joseph was the child of his old age and whom he loved. It was the same exact verbiage used. Yeah. So with all those, you know, stones that were listed and we went to, you know, Ezekiel 28, those would have definitely been not only shining, but indeed colorful. Oh, yeah. That's the coat of many colors. Yes. I love it. Yeah. But just as Derek says, you know, Derek Gilbert talks about, you know, God's divine counsel, how you see it mimicked with the Olympian gods. Yeah. You see it mimicked with the, the council of El. You have all these similarities with these other lowercase g gods, it's just a perverted truth. You know, and I like how Derek says, you know, they have the fake news version. <laughs> well, you see this not only with, you know, the big themes, but even these small stories. And so going back to Esau, I want to show you what I believe is a retelling of this story that I just told you guys but through a Mesopotamian myth and through their fake news version. And of course, 
the victor tells the tale, right? Right. And you always, the victor always spins it where they're the good guy and they won and they ride off into the sunset happily ever after, right? Right. So with Esau, you know, like I said, we, we see all these perversions, and, you know, and you have, uh, even with the customs, like with Leviathan, you have that with, uh, Tiamat and you have that with, uh, Thor and, and the serpent that bites his tail, you know, just, you see these with, with, with myths and, and ancient stories and, and things like that. So when you look into the Epic of Gilgamesh, and many historians and, and archaeologists and, and scholars and stuff, they, you know, it's pretty much a common consensus that they believe that this Gilgamesh is Nimrod. Mm -hmm. It's just a different name. Well, the King's List names Gilgamesh as the fifth ruler, the first uh, post-flood, uh, the first post-flood dynasty of Uruk. So traditionally, Gilgamesh was known as the great builder. You know, the Tower of Babel, does that ring a bell? Right, yes. So the Sumerian king's list, but with the Sumerian king's list, in Merkur is placed second in the line after the flood, which a lot of people put as a forerunner for Gilgamesh. Hmm. Well, I just recently talked with Gary Wayne, and he said that the, uh, the root name four in Merkur means Nimrod and really? he also yes and he also believes that it's you know it's hard to pinpoint who is exactly who in these uh kings lists and things like that because it was his belief that the old kings or gods when they came in uh and overthrew the other or the the kingship or godship was uh, handed over or changed hands that the king and or god that was taking the place inherited uh, the mythos of the previous god and built upon the story yeah that makes sense and i never thought of that and that's like you know that does make a lot of sense yeah but these tablets uh that were found uh not too long ago they were called uh, letters to the lord Arata. You know, which, you know, AKA that that's Mount Ararat, you know, the place where Noah's boat landed. Oh, wow. So where Gilgamesh goes to seek their version of the story of Noah to seek uh, eternal life. You know, this is all the same place, but, uh, the, the, these letters to this Lord Arata were from, uh, in Merkur and he's requesting help in uh, building materials and also help building this quote unquote grand temple, you know, the, the tower of Babel, mm -hmm. I believe. But yeah. if you look at it, Noah was a master builder after all, he just built the ark, you know, and had all the pre flood knowledge coming with him. Right. So this sounds like Nimrod in the tower of Babel to me, but many people have made this connection about the whole Gilgamesh and Nimrod. But Gilgamesh was two-thirds God, just like uh, they said with Nimrod becoming the Giborum. So that's 66.6% .6 significantly <laughs> divine. Right. You know, I thought that it was an interesting number, but his father was said to be Lilu. Mm -hmm. 
who was a demon of the vampire kind. Yeah. You know, this would be interesting later, so I'll, I'll tie that in. But <laughs> scholars say symbolically that this Epic of Gilgamesh is about civilized man versus uh, uh, nature or wild, untamed man. But this epic talks about how, you know, great, strong, and wise Gilgamesh is. He's a mighty hunter without equal. And he basically becomes bored and terrorizes the surrounding people. And the gods see this and knew they had to balance the scales and create another just like him to equal things out. So here we have the creation of this guy named Enkidu. Mm-hmm. It says that Enkidu was made from clay, which is red. Right. It says that he's pinched from clay. And where does they drop him at? They drop him in the wilderness. And he's given the virtue of the god of war, of Ninurta himself. His body rough, long hair like a woman. His body covered with matted hair uh -huh. like Samguan, the god of cattle man this guy's starting to sound familiar mm -hmm. but it said he knew nothing of the cultivated land and he worked with the wild beasts and at the watering holes but there was a trapper who met him one day face to face and was frozen with fear so he runs to tell gilgamesh about this beast of the field that he's encountered right so Gilgamesh tells him to take a harlot from the temple of Anana and have her lay with him for six days and seven nights and then pull from him and that the wilderness would reject him. So the trapper does as Gilgamesh says, gets this harlot from the temple of Anana and uh, goes out to the wilderness and uh, this harlot sleeps with him for seven days and sends him, you know, and then pulls away from him. He goes back to the, the wilderness with the beasts. And it says that the beasts run from him. They reject him. They won't have nothing to do with him anymore. He, he's been changed and they know it. Right. And what was, I thought was interesting was it said that he even tried to chase after the animals. And it said that, quote, his body was bound like a cord and his swiftness was gone. Enkidu had grown weak from his wisdom that was now in him. Mm. You know, so like I said, first off, this guy already sounds familiar to this guy Esau. Yeah. We've just been talking about, you know, it's Enkidu slash Esau. As I said before, it sounds like a, like a Bigfoot or a werewolf, some kind of, you know, cryptid being in the very least. Yes. And then you have Gilgamesh. That is 66.6% .6 divine and coming from a father named Lilu. Yeah. Half of that from a Lilu. Yeah. And yeah. that, that guy was a, a vampire demon. Yes. And it's Which pretty is crazy. You know, we're talking about this stuff right around Halloween. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, and this Lilu is connected to Lilith, uh, which is a very sore and long subject on my list, but I'm not going to distract us. But I just, I can't help but that, of course, these vampire 
these incubus succubus scourges of the earth uh of course they get brought up because it's it's everywhere i turn man it's like yeah i know that's just like a little footnote or gee whiz part to this but it's everywhere man everywhere It, it is and what's really crazy is like you said it's everywhere you see stuff like this and what i'm about to talk about in every mythos around the world but we see in many myths throughout the ancient world that that a god and a human you know sleep together and in many instances that the god will sleep with the woman right before her husband and then her husband will sleep with him then you get back-to-back twins with two seeds produced Mm. you see that often and uh, one i just recently been looking into was uh you see that with odin and then uh with zeus yeah he had you know both of them guys had many sets of twins where one was uh extremely strong and different than the other because one was divine and one was human yeah yeah these uh heroes these mighty men of old as the bible says you know but here we have Gilgamesh, whose father was the demon vampire kind. And then you have this, you know, werewolf, Bigfoot, you know, just beastly seed with, of Esau and Enkidu. You know, but this could also explain why Esau cut the head off of Nimrod in the book of Jasher. If, in fact, he was part vampire. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not a coincidence theorist, but it's like every time, even with David, when he killed Goliath, what does he do? He chops his head off. That's right. Yeah, I think that's like, uh, you know, the, the whole legend, you know, of mm-hmm. having to cut the head off of things. I think it, it all comes from the fact that that's probably the only way to get rid of these, uh, these Nephilim and uh, Eliud, which are the descendants of the Nephilim, you know, yeah. once it goes on down. Um, I think I think it all comes from that. Yeah, it's a seed war. I mean, it was like that it in the is. beginning. Yeah. But when we see Gilgamesh, you know, he sends the temple harlot to to weaken him through, which I think was, you know, occult sex magic and and things like that, because it says mm-hmm. that even Enkidu realizes, you know, that it's like he's been tied down. He's not as swift. He's not as strong. And he, you know, his own words in that epic was he felt as though his body was tied down with a cord. Yeah. That's because he was. was. They got the harlot from where? From the temple of Nanana. Right. And Inanna was another goddess. Yes. Right. So it's some kind of, I, I'm not real well versed on Inanna, but it's it, used it, war it's and of, sex. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. A lot of people thinks that the spirit of Anana is the one ruling over the nations now. Right. And she was actually the first goddess to be like a transgender. It said that she could appear as a man in the alehouse and then a woman in the temple. So you got the best of both worlds with her. (laughs) Ain't ain't that a par for the course. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, nothing new is under the sun, brother. Amen, man. But you remember, though, Gilgamesh was, you know, said to be the the mighty hunter that nobody could best, you know, that 
that the whole reason that Enkidu was created was so that Gilgamesh would have an equal and to balance the scales. So Gilgamesh still wanted to be top dog. You know, that's the whole reason that this Anana uh, harlot was sent to right. weaken him. That way he could go and best him. Right. But now that he's been the outcast, he returns back to the harlot and she talks about the, be the beauty of Uruk and the strength of Gilgamesh. So Enkidu requests that she take him to Gilgamesh and that he would challenge him. And he even says that, and I will tell him that there is a new order coming. Wow. That he was going to take out the mighty Gilgamesh and show the world that he was the strongest man and he was the mighty hunter. All right. So that night, Gilgamesh is met by God in his dream. And they tell him of Enkidu and his coming. They tell him that he was made as his equal, but also as his brother. Mm. Mm. When Enkidu arrives in town, the people marvel. And some say Gilgamesh has met his match, but he's shorter than Gilgamesh, but stout. Yamas, right? And that the Wide, strong built. <laughs> the same exact word that is the root meaning of Esau's name. Right. There you go. That's why I said, remember this, this, this stout reference. It's going to come into play later. Yeah, man. But the two square off in this epic battle, uh, Enkidu takes Gilgamesh down to one knee, which had never been done before. And the crowd marveled and thought Enkidu had him. But then Gilgamesh picks him up on his shoulder and slings him to the ground and wins the match. Then the two become best friends, go on epic journeys together, and Enkidu winds up getting cursed by Anana and dies, putting Gilgamesh on another journey to seek eternal life and fails. So it's like same baseline story, same people, even the same descriptions of their names. It's just in this version, Gilgamesh wins, Nimrod wins, and the two become best friends. Right. And in the end, Enkidu slash who I believe to be Esau is the one that dies. Right. Right. By the hands of a false god. Right. Yeah. Yeah. More deception. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that is the epic of Esau. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, you're pretty good at this. You know that? <laughs> uh, man, I'll tell you. Yeah, flatter me. Tell me some more. <laughs> man. And I love this stuff, man. I do. I've just I've yeah. got a passion for it. I love finding this stuff. It excites me. And uh, I do. I want to share it with other people, man. Hey, Amen. Absolutely, man. And you blew my mind. There were, you know. I knew bits and pieces of some of this stuff, but the way you tied everything together, this is like a revelation. That's what this mm. is. You know, like this was given to you. And I don't know what spurred you to look into this or to take it this direction, but I'm so thankful that you did, man. This is. And this it was just a stuff. hunch. I mean, honestly, it was like a joke a while back. Uh, me and uh, Steven and uh, Ben with the dig, we were uh, 
going through and just talking about stuff. And uh, Steve is a, a really big, Bigfoot enthusiast. And I had come across that passage and I made a joke and I'm like, well, hey man, that there's your first Bigfoot right there. And we yeah. just kind of laughed and, you know, and joked it off. Then I got to thinking, I'm like, well, dude, he, that is a strange character. There might be something to that. Yeah. And then, and I just got to looking into it and found all this stuff in Jasher. And then, uh, I started reading the Epic of Gilgamesh. I mean, I knew the story, but I'd never like read the thing. Right. So I sat down and started reading it and going through it. And then it is just, I wasn't really looking for it. It was just like kind of God smacked me in the head or something. Dude. It. it was like, Hey dude, right here's Gilgamesh. Yeah. You know, Gilgamesh is Esau <laughs> or no, it. I'm sorry. I got that backward, but no, here yeah. is uh, Inky yeah. do, you know, yeah. Inky, Inky do and, uh, Esau. They're both described the same. The, uh, the root of his name is, is how, inky do is described when the people first see him of the town and it's yeah. just there's just a whole lot of dots and fingers pointing this way and like i said i mean that ain't a hill that i down, but man it makes a lot of sense and connects a lot of dots it really does man it really does and let me ask you this um i, I was i've hinted around at this kind of stuff before but i got some confirmation on a on a thought that I had, but it is nowhere near in biblical or extra biblical texts whatsoever. This is just anecdotal, okay? Uh, based on a couple of stories that I've heard out of what two hundred and ten stories that I went through on the show. Um, and it's about Bigfoot, and it's about these. Eliud that I mentioned just a second ago. I asked Gary Wayne um, because there was a lady that come on my show and she said that this Bigfoot creature, okay, out in the, the woods of Pennsylvania, this she ran into this Bigfoot creature. It revealed itself to her. They formed a relationship like gifting and it would gift stuff back. And then it starts the telepathy, you know, the mind speak, they call it. And it starts telling her all these things like, hey, you need to read this book. Uh, the Bible's wrong about this. You need to look over here. And made her feel a little uneasy because it was going like against the Bible. She asked him, like they, they get to the part where she's asking him what he is, you know, all this stuff. And this woman at the time had zero she she said flat out i don't know anything about these about bible history or you know she wasn't well versed in any of it she said but he told me that he was and it was mispronounced at the time we had to look it up together to figure out what it was but uh it was an eliud is what it, he told her that he was an eliud seeking redemption i had no clue what that was so I got a hold of Gary Wayne. I had him on my show. The audio was crap because I had bad internet at the time and I want to, I want to redo with him. But <laughs> uh, he said that he found like one reference to an Eliud and it was the offspring of a Nephilim. So it's like watcher Nephilim Eliud. And that's what this thing told her he was. Okay. And seeking redemption, which you're not going to get it, you know? Yeah. But uh, 
I was like, and I carried that with me because I talked to Denise, the woman that had this encounter, uh, like three times. So we we kept following up, and I've talked to her several times in emails and contacts since then, and um, things have kind of tapered off. But I let it go. You know, I was like, just kind of pin that, save it for later. I talked to a woman uh, a couple of weeks ago. She's really, I'm actually releasing the episode this week. It, it releases October 25th about her personal journey from leaving witchcraft and going into Christianity. Okay. Yeah. Totally unrelated kind of episode. Well, at the very end, she tells me that she, <laughs> she said ever since she was a kid, she had what she thought was the spirit God. And she said, I got to look at him a couple of times and his, uh, she said he told me his name was Jason and she said but he looked funny now we hadn't discussed Bigfoot I don't even know if she believes in Bigfoot like to this day I don't know if she believes in Bigfoot she said but he looked like some kind of giant half ape half man hmm. and It, it brought me straight back to this LEU creature. Yeah. That it, this thing was trying to lead her into witchcraft. Um, looks like a Bigfoot. Looks it's, like an Esau. They taught them in the book of Enoch anyway. The cutting yes. of roots, enchantments. and Yes. Yes. So... It, it It's all tying in together, man. And that's, that's what I think. That's why and people argue like um, Tim Alberino is like, no, angels are physical beings. I believe, and I could be way wrong. And I, I guess I'll find out one day. I, I don't see why these spiritual beings cannot manifest in a physical sense. You know, I know angels walked into Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, I know that they did. I know they sat down and they ate um, with Abraham. I I know the angels can be physical, mm -hmm. but they also just appear, you know, <laughs> and they're fighting in the spiritual world, right? When God charges his angels concerning us to guard us in all of our ways, Psalm 91, I don't have a team of dudes standing outside of my house. It's a spiritual sense. So there mm -hmm. has to be a physical and spiritual connection here. Like there's an overlap somewhere. So these LEU, just like we talked about, you know, what I mean, it, it, yes. it, everybody wants to, it's this or this. Well, no, what right. if it's this and this? It, it has to be. And I think these LEU, I think that's why Bigfoot's so evasive on camera. I think that's why you see footprints go into the woods and then just stop. You know, where did they go? I think they are, and I don't want to say interdimensional, but they can go from the physical realm to the spiritual realm and i think that they it's just as easy as us you know traveling from one town to the next yeah. opening a door <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah we're going outside you're right that's it as easy as that's going from inside to outside i think that's what they're doing and i think that's what the these encounters are 
Why well, do they see them out in the woods? I don't know. Maybe they're uh, wandering the wilderness until they go back to another home. But I think that's it, man. Um, she gave me that. At least for me, for now, I think Bigfoot or Eliud. And I think that Esau was the first physical example of a Bigfoot. Oh, I agree. And then, uh, actually, I'm going to look that up, just edit this part out. But that king, there was a king uh, in the Old Testament that was cursed, and he grew hair and long nails and roamed with the beast. Was so it King field, Nebuchadnezzar? Yeah. Uh, it was Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, and wouldn't that make sense too you know for that to be the curse yes is a uh, king nebuchadnezzar in daniel chapter 4 verse 25 through 35 yeah he was cursed to live among the animals and the wild beasts of the field his hair grew long his nails and teeth grew out and so there you go there's another example you know i've heard yeah. some people say you know that's uh you know a cryptid transition you know like a werewolf or, or whatever but it could be a very you know very well be uh uh like a like a esau yeah you know whatever esau was right what whatever that was to him yeah yeah whether it was werewolf bigfoot whatever because i mean the it's described the same way he grew long hair and roamed out in the wilderness with the beasts of the field and same thing man you know this was one of my favorite conversations of all time you know that right i, oh, dude, I appreciate <laughs> it I, I love it I, I i've been listening to your stuff and i was like man that's two appalachia boys we have to get together <laughs> we have to get together that's right and this is what I love. I just love these conversations, especially when you get with somebody that's got the same interests and passions as you do. And they've had good, you know, study time and conversations with other people. And you can just bounce off each other, man. You never know where it's going to go or what revelations are going to come out. That's it. That's it. And you, you blew my mind, man. Like I'm going to talk to my pastor about this because he's <laughs> open-minded. Thank God. I, I bought him a copy of Mike Hyder's uh, Unseen Realm. Oh yeah. I, I gave it to him, I think for Christmas last year. I was like, Kenny, you got to get in this man. And he actually did. So that was a, that was a good thing. So, yeah. That's really cool. Cause most of the time yeah, they're right. like, no, that, that's the devil. <laughs> <laughs> Burn right. that book. People yeah, he, make this stuff up to sell books. <laughs> right. Yeah. How dare you make me think? Yeah. <laughs> man. Well, look, you came out here and just dropped a hammer that I, I don't even know how to <laughs> digest completely, but I took a million notes. I want to, I'm going to dig into Genesis 25 and just relish this probably all night long. <laughs> uh, man, I, I really appreciate you and thank you for being patient with me. I know we, we bounced dates and stuff around. Oh, dude, we I go back firsthand. Life happens. <laughs> And it does. It seems to always happen to me. <laughs> yeah. Today, I can never be mad at a man that cancels 
to build a, a porch and a ramp for a disabled brother in Christ. So <laughs> you got off the hook there, buddy. I appreciate you, brother. <laughs> I appreciate you, man. Uh, if there's anything I can do for you, let me know. Oh yeah, man. We'll, uh, we'll just do this again. And, uh, like to have you on my show and, uh, find something you want to talk about and we could do the same thing on mine. Absolutely. I would love to. And, uh, I'm going to talk about her tomorrow, but I'd like to come on your show, I think, and uh, discuss Lilith. Oh, yeah, definitely. Try to blow the lid off that because I, I had a little revelation, too, and uh, I'll just have to pray up real hard before we do it. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All right, brother. You have Internet a good night. Go, Internet go out suddenly for that week. or Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, it wouldn't be the first time, man. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Justin, you have a good night, brother. Oh, you too, man. Thank you again. Hey, thank you, and God bless. You too, brother. That's it for this week, guys. Thanks for listening. If you want more content, if you want to submit your own story to be on the show, if you want to listen to past episodes, or if you want to donate to the show, you can do all of that through thebumppodcast.com. So just go there. Uh, explore the website, check it all out. If you want to sign up to be a member, it's super cheap. It's just $1.75 a week. You can cancel at any time. Get in on uh, all the, the new, latest, and greatest stuff we have going on. All right, so again, thanks for listening. I love you. God bless.
Come on. Yeah. Treaty with the saints of gold. With their troubles far behind them to never suffer anymore. I'm going home in the morning. personally ready to submit your life to God and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The book of Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says it really simply that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. To be born again, to start a new life as a child of God, to join God's army, to rise up against the evil forces that you know are all around you. You don't have to do it alone. I love you. Jesus loves you. And may God bless you. God's will. 
called me up one night just to say, Brother, if you would, I need you to pray. So I went to the altar, I fell down on my knees and I prayed, I asked the Lord if he would heal him, and now he's living. So if you're here, feeling lonely, and your burdens you no longer can bear, just come on up to this altar and take it to the Lord in prayer come on up to this altar and fall down on your knees and pray ask the Lord to forgive you and you'll be Come on up to this altar and fall down on your knees and pray. And ask the Lord to forgive you and you'll be.